0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Ephesians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, you can meet me there in Ephesians 6. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1177 in that Bible. Ephesians chapter 6 today. This is our dog, Sasha. Everybody say, aww. Sasha's a miniature schnauzer, and she's about a year and a half old. We had a, another miniature schnauzer named Jax. Jax passed away a couple of years ago, so Sasha is about a year and a half, which is still very puppy-ish. Uh, and I've never had a puppy before. We always we were a cat family growing up, and so we had never done I'd never done the puppy thing. And when I met Sarah, Sarah was a dog person, but I loved her anyway. And even as I loved her, Sarah came with a dog. And so if I was to marry Sarah, I was also going to inherit this dog. And uh, not like I have a problem with dogs. I just don't like them much. And so we have a dog in our house because I love my wife and children, and they adore this dog. But the puppy stage is not easy, Uh, and so puppies go to the bathroom wherever they want. Puppies love to shred things. Puppies bite uh, in a way that hurts, and so we had to learn all of these things with the puppy. The kids were experiencing it for the first time, and we came home once. Uh, and I was seemed like I was always saying, just, Sasha, no. That was just the most common phrase out of my mouth. Sasha, no, you are bad. Stop. And we came home once, and she had shredded a pillow. We got these nice new throw pillows, and she had shredded it, and it was like carnage all over the living room, just fluff and fabric everywhere. And I was going, Sasha, no, what were you thinking? And Kaylee, my seven-year-old, said, dogs do not have good ideas. LAUGHTER so that's very true, Kaylee. I hate all of our dogs' ideas. <laughs> but she is getting better. And, I mean, she's much better than when she was a puppy. Because you can train a dog to go outside, to go to the bathroom. You can train a dog not to bite. You can train a dog not to chew. And it's a bit of a work in progress. She's still a bit young. but uh, But she is getting better because we have trained her. Uh, Because she is growing up, she is maturing. And that's not actually that different when we are born, right? We don't know where to go to the bathroom either. We don't know how to walk. We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to share. And so our parents teach us all of these things. They train us, and as they teach us, we get better and better. If we are ever starting a job, we often don't have all the skills we need for that job, but we get trained, and we learn the skills, and we learn how to use uh, what we've been given by God in order to do the job that we are called to do and so in every aspect of life there is an element of training there is an element of growing even if we're really good at something we can always get better and so we started a new series last week that we called spring training uh, borrowed from the world of baseball where all the baseball players have had the winter off but they're getting ready to start the baseball season so they need to get back into physical shape and so they enter into their spring training program and so we are talking about it not physically but in terms of how are we getting into spiritual shape Because we are on the spiritual journey. We are on this walk with Jesus. How are we doing in our spiritual fitness? And so we are wanting this to be very practical, uh, very down-to-earth, and and just really good ways to look at how are we doing in our spiritual journey. The verse we looked at last week that will be our key verse for the series, from 1 Timothy 4-7, we are told, train yourself to be godly that you have a role to play in your own godliness. Even as we understand that uh, it comes to us as a gift of God, that he is the one that changes us, he is the one that transforms us, he is the one that renews us, he is the one doing the work by his Holy Spirit, we still have a role to play in our own transformation. We have a part to play. We are to discipline ourselves, we are to engage with him. So let's take a look at our text today. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, page 1177 in the Pew Bible. And we're starting in verse 18. We're just going to use this as kind of the foundational verse, and then we'll spring off into some other verses today as well. Verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And I love in those two verses, it's just pray, 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 pray. Right? It shows up over and over and over again. And Paul at the end saying, and pray for me. And Paul's a seasoned preacher at this point, but pray for me that I can keep preaching the gospel. Paul's acknowledging that even though it's God's power that that is powerful in the gospel, I still have something to do. I have to open my mouth, and I need the strength to do that. And so it's pray, 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 pray. The question today is just simply, how's your prayer life? How is your prayer life with God? What does that look like? And just the, the willingness to take an honest assessment and say, yeah, how am I doing? Uh, Is it doing pretty good? That's fair. If that's true, then that's fair. Is it not really happening at all? That's honest, and that's good. Uh, Is it kind of up and down, inconsistent? Is it mostly consistent, but not so much? Is it kind of boring and repetitive? Is it feeling more like a chore? I just want us to make an honest assessment today. How is your prayer life? What does that look like for you? Um, And we don't want you to stay there, wherever you're at, but we want you to just honestly acknowledge how's your prayer life. Because for a lot of Christians, the answer to that question is, essentially non-existent. And if that's the truth, then that's honest, and that's okay. But we don't want to stay in that place. Um, as we talk about uh, prayer, it very easily falls into kind of the the checkbox of, did you get it done today? And it can feel like a chore, right? Did you spend some time with Jesus today? It's like, I did. It wasn't overly meaningful, but I went through the motions of it. And we're looking for a prayer life that goes beyond that. St. Julian of Norwich said, Prayer unites the soul to God. She is not looking at prayer as a laundry list of requests or uh, just a time that you go through it as a spiritual exercise. She's looking at it as prayer is the place where I get to connect with the God of the universe. Prayer is the place where I get to be uh, in His presence and and get my soul stirred and refreshed. It's the place where I get to be changed and molded. It's the place where I get my strength to get through the day. She's looking at prayer in a very different way than just did you spend your time today and did you go through the motions and did you check off your checklist of spiritual chores. She's having an experience with prayer that I want. Prayer is the place where my soul can be united to God. We talked about last week that connecting with God is what leads to our refreshing and our renewal and our transformation. That there are exercises that we can do to participate in our own refreshing, renewal, and transformation, but the exercises are all done in the service of connecting with Him. We're not doing them just to do them. We're doing them to connect with him. And there our our spirits get refreshed. There we get transformed and renewed. If I have the most beautiful lamp in the world sitting on a table, it's no good to anybody if it's not plugged in. And it can't plug in itself, and so we have to plug it in, and as we plug it into the power source, the lamp gets light, and now it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. We have to plug in to the power source that has been promised to us so that we can have that connection and that our souls can be refreshed and renewed. Now, there are a million different ways to to do it. Uh, And we're going to whip through a bunch of prayer uh, techniques and tips very, very quickly today. I apologize for the speed, but we're going to cover a lot of ground. But I'm in school right now, and what I'm studying in school specifically uh, is spiritual formation. That's what the degree is in, which is how are we being transformed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Jesus. But what I'm specifically looking at is how do our unique personalities uh, play a role in our approach to Jesus. Uh, Because we're all wired so differently, and I remember growing up, and I would hear from preachers, this is how you should pray, and it would be one way, and I would try it, and I would hate it, and it would just feel like a fruitless exercise, or you need to read the Bible like this, or you need to read this version of Scripture, and we can have this view that there's a right way to do these things, but usually it's just whoever's speaking. It's their right way to do it. It might not be for everybody. And so I'm just fascinated how God has wired us so differently and how can we help everybody in their differences connect with God in a way that makes sense to them. Because your way might not be the same as my way. And so I I would be, you know, a bad preacher to stand up here and say, the way that I like to pray is the way you all need to pray because you're not all wired the same way that I am. So I, a couple years ago, got certified. I'm a Myers-Briggs practitioner, and so uh, this looks at different aspects of the personality. And so uh, that's all working into my studies as well. Here's one of the ways that we're different that most of us have at least a little bit of understanding. Some of us are extroverts and some of us are introverts. Uh, And so that's one of the key things that the Myers-Briggs looks at. And so here, very broadly, is what extroverts are like and introverts are like. You are naturally going to fall to one of these sides. Everybody usually engages with both a little bit, but you're going to be more comfortable with one side over the other. So extroverts tend to be active. They like to be busy. They tend to be very uh, hearty, enthusiastic. They tend to like variety in life. Uh, they like to try lots of different things and not just a couple of things. They're drawn to the outer world. They they enjoy people. They enjoy activities. They enjoy things. They're very expressive. They are heart-on-their-sleeve kind of people. You don't often have to doubt what an extrovert is thinking because they will gladly share it whether you ask them or not. They tend to uh, process by talking things out. Uh, They tend to, to think out loud and everything they say, they don't necessarily mean, but they're just kind of trying to figure it out and through dialogue and conversation, they love brainstorming, they love conversation, and they tend to be very social. They are very people oriented. So that is extroverts. Neither one is right or wrong. We are just wired differently. Introverts, on the other hand, tend to be more reflective. They tend to Uh, be quieter. They tend to sort of process things inside. They're very focused, whereas extroverts like a wide variety of things to do. Introverts like to pick like three things and pour all of their energy into those things with a lot of depth and attention. Drawn to the inner world, they're very contemplative and reflective. They're very measured, uh, not as expressive as extroverts. Introverts tend to keep their feelings inside uh, and share them only with a few special people. They like to think things through first and then speak, and they are perfectly fine being by themselves. Uh, And so you, again, might engage with both sides to a certain degree, but um, but part of Myers-Briggs theory is that everybody will naturally fall into one side or the other. And uh, in our culture, we're a very extroverted culture. North American culture is very extroverted. Uh, And they say in North America, about two-thirds of us are extroverted and about a third of us are introverted. So introverts sometimes feel out of place uh, in the workplace and even in church, where a lot of church is geared towards extroverts instead of introverts. But uh, it's just—this is one of the ways in which we are wired differently. So as we are talking about prayer, much of what we have learned about prayer in 2,000 years of church history, much of what has been written and much of what has been kind of internalized by the church about prayer— Uh, has come to us from monks and nuns. Uh, throughout the ages who have lived in monasteries. And so these are people who have withdrawn from the world, and they have gone to live in these big sort of castle type things, and they are places where there is tons of prayer, there is lots of silence, there is lots of reflection and contemplation, they are not connected to the outer world, there's lots of internal stuff going on, and these are the people who have uh, written a lot of the things that we now believe and teach often about prayer. Now of these two groups, extroverts or introverts, which group is going to be more likely to be drawn to a life of silence out in a castle in the desert somewhere. So much of what has been written and, and believed by us for 2,000 years about prayer uh, has been written by introverts. And so it's, you know, you pray silently in your head, and you're quiet a lot, and you go into a room by yourself and shut the door, and you don't do it with anybody else because prayer is about you and God. A lot of these things that we just kind of take as a given out about prayer uh, are written by introverts, and because of that, extroverts actually sometimes can really struggle in the area of prayer. And they say, I can't just do it silently in my head. I can't do it in a room by myself. I can't do it. Uh, You know in solitude all the time and so they kind of struggle with some of these ideas of prayer and so that's where my heart is as a pastor and as a, a Student right now is so how do we help extroverts pray in a way that makes sense to them and help introverts pray in a way That makes sense to them and and other ways in which we are different as well Because prayer ultimately is all about how are you connecting with God? Where is your soul uniting with God in your life? Uh, And prayer can look lots of different ways. And our text today suggests that. Pray in the Spirit, verse 18, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. There is not one way to pray. There is not one kind of prayer. Uh, And it's also not necessarily just supposed to be something you do kind of once and then you're done for the day. It's pray continually in all occasions with all different kinds of prayers and requests. And if we can grab a hold of that, then our prayer life is going to be a lot less boring. And if we can learn how to pray in some ways that make sense with our own personality and how we're wired, then prayer is going to be a lot more refreshing than trying to pray the way somebody else thinks we should pray. So we're going to cover a bunch of things today. Again, it's going to be pretty quick. I apologize. We're a bit later today just because communion went a bit longer. And so uh, if you have any questions after, I'd be happy to go over stuff with you. And as we go through it, uh, some of this we talked about a little bit back in January because we talked about prayer for a couple of weeks back then. So some of this is going to be repeat. But here are just a bunch of different ways that we can pray. Uh, So be listening and and paying attention for uh, which ones sound like me, which ones sound like they might be a good fit for me. So first of all, Lord's Prayer. And we preached a whole sermon on this back in January that's online. Uh, The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And he teaches them what we now call the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. And in the sermon back in January, we talked about in this kind of 30-second prayer that many of us probably have memorized, if you've grown up at church or if you remember saying this in school when you were growing up, within this 30-second prayer, there is worship, there is submission to God's will, there is asking for things, there is repentance, there is forgiving other people, there is asking for protection from the enemy, there's a lot of stuff packed in. Uh, to 30 seconds. And so when Jesus was asked, how should you pray, Jesus said, just like this. And it's not the only way to pray, but this is the model that he gave us. And so what's nice about this prayer is that it's easy, it covers a lot, uh, and again, a lot of us have it memorized. And so if we're ever in a spot where I don't know what to pray, I just don't know what to say to God, then it's never wrong to pray the words of Jesus. That's always the right thing to do. And so this is a bit like uh, for marathon runners who do laps. You know, it's not the flashiest prayer, maybe, but it's fundamental and it's so important. And so when we're not sure what to pray, uh, the Lord's prayer is a good prayer to pray. Jesus, as he was asked about this when he was teaching on prayer, also said, uh, you know what, guys, God's not blown away by your fancy words or your long flowy prayers. God knows what you need before you even ask. Uh, So when you ask God for something, it's not because he needs the information. It's not like we're going, my stomach hurts, and God's going, oh, wow, thanks for letting me know. I'll get on that right away. God knows already, and so for God, from his perspective, prayer obviously isn't about an information exchange. It's about the connection. It's about the communion. Just like I love it when my kids walk into the room, and even if they're asking for a granola bar for the 87th time that day, I just love the sound of their voices. I just love when when they're in the room with me. Uh, It's about the connection with God. So the Lord's Prayer is a great start, especially if we are newer to this and learning how to pray. Thanksgiving is another way in which we can pray, just thanking God for what he's done. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for you to be thankful. We wrestle with, what is God's will for my life? Well, one of the things I can say for sure, it's his will for you to be thankful. And we always point out when we talk about that verse, he says, give thanks In all circumstances. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. So we don't have to be thankful necessarily for the terrible things that we're struggling through in our lives, although we can get to a place of maturity sometimes where we can even thank God for those things. But give thanks in all circumstances where whatever circumstance I am in, there is something I can thank God for. Right? If the money is tight, I've still got a roof over my head. If I'm sick, I've still got breath in my lungs. If, if I'm struggling uh, relationally, there's still opportunity where this might get better. There are still things we can thank him for no matter what we're going through. And so it's his will for us to acknowledge him. We thank him for what he's doing and what he's done. Similarly, there is worship as well. Where Thanksgiving is, we thank him for what he's done. Worship is where we acknowledge who he is. We thank him for what he's done. We worship him for who he is. His character, his glory, his just everything that wraps up who God is. And we often talk about musical worship, and that is important, but worship can also be spoken. Uh, there's a lot of different ways worship can happen. In Re- Revelation chapter 5, uh, John has a vision of heaven, and he sees Jesus sitting on the throne and all the heavenly hosts gathered around him. And they sing this song, worthy is the lamb who was slain, Jesus to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And they just sing these songs of worship Says they they continually fall on their face uh, and they just cannot help but worship when they're in his presence. And the key line here in this whole verse is the word worthy. We worship because he is worthy to be worshiped. We don't worship because we like the song. We don't worship because we're in a good mood. We don't even worship uh, because we like our circumstances that we're in necessarily. We can certainly thank him for all of those good things, but we we worship him because he's worthy to be worshipped. That's enough. He is worthy to be worshipped, and his worthiness never changes. He is worthy all the time, and so we bring him our worship. We sang the song this morning, uh, these lyrics, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Uh, Love that song, just simple and beautiful and heartfelt. The nice thing about worship as a form of prayer, again, if I don't know what to say, or I don't have the words to express my worship, or I don't even just have a clue how to begin doing that, Other worshipers have written words for me that I can just sing along to. Uh, Other people who are gifted at language and poetry and and rhyming, uh, they have been able to craft something together so I don't have to invent anything. I can just join in someone else's worship song that they've written, and I can offer it from my heart to God. And so worship is awesome for doing that. Meditation is a form of prayer, and this is uh, great for introverts and really hard for extroverts. Meditation might sound like a uh, new agey word, and it is that a little bit. A lot of Christians don't like that word, but it was a Bible word long before it was a new age word. Psalm 7712, the psalmist says, I'll consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Meditation just means to let your mind dwell on something. So I'm going to just think about all the things you've done, God. I'm going to think about the ways you've answered prayer in my life. I'm going to let my mind dwell on that. I've shared this before. Bill Johnson says, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Worry is when we meditate on what could go wrong, right? Or what is overwhelming. Worry is when we let our mind dwell Uh, usually on bad things. But we can also let our mind dwell on the things of the Lord. And it's awesome to, uh, you know, to take a verse of Scripture that maybe is confusing or or difficult or tricky and say, you know what, I'm just going to meditate on that verse today. I'm just going to think about it. I'm going to keep coming back to it from time to time, and I'm going to pray. Lord, uh, open the eyes of my understanding about this verse. Help me see some things. I'm going to meditate on all the ways that God has answered prayer in my family in the last year all the things that I'm just going to let my mind dwell on that today. I'm going to meditate on all that I would like to see God do next year in my life. And I'm just going to dream a little bit and let my mind go there. It can be a place of communion with God where our soul gets refreshed, where he speaks to us. We're going to take a week just to talk about hearing his voice. But this is one of the ways uh, in which we can connect with God. Introverts, you meditate anyway. That, you're just always in meditation mode. Uh, so this is a great way to connect with God. It's just all—it's just internally processing and thinking about things. With that uh, comes silence. The the person who wrote Ecclesiastes in verse three, chapter three, verse seven said, "There is a time to be silent. Uh, there's a time to to just kind of uh, even not even meditate, but just to be quietly in the presence of the Lord." Uh, And just say, I'm not going to ask for a thing, I'm not going to say a thing, but I'm just going to be silent in God's presence. And I had a guy tell me once, like, well, I hardly ever talk to God, so I'm really good at this one. Uh, Not what I'm meaning at all. We're not talking about ignoring God and calling it silence as a spiritual exercise, but actually saying, I'm going to drink my coffee on my porch, and I'm just going to invite God's presence, and I'm not going to say A word and the picture is if you think about your best friend or maybe your spouse or your kids or whatever uh, sometimes a relationship gets to a place where uh, you don't have to say anything right you can just be there together watching the Sun go down and you don't have to say a word and it doesn't feel awkward and it doesn't feel uh, unusual but you're just enjoying each other's company without having to say anything and we can do that with Jesus as well I want to talk about the lament uh, for a couple of minutes here And uh, this is a bit of a lost art in our prayer life. We don't uh, typically engage with this a lot, but one of my professors wrote a big part of his big dissertation on this. And so this is his definition, uh, which I think is a good one. He says, lament is heartfelt prayer that expresses how the reality of our present experience is not lining up with what we think we know about God and his promises. So lament is a form of prayer where we're saying, God, I don't understand. Or God, where are you? Or God, why is this prayer not being answered? Or God, why didn't you answer that prayer when you could? It's it's something that is uh, thoroughly found in Scripture. But I grew up in the Pentecostal uh, charismatic stream of the church, and we were taught sort of specifically, yeah, you don't pray this way. That's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith if you tell God you're confused. It's a lack of faith if you, if you ever question God on anything. It's a lack of faith if you don't just receive everything as a blessing, even if it's horrible. And that, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? That doesn't sound like it's that wrong. But the problem is the scripture is full of lament. There's literally a book called Lamentations. The book of lament. It is the prayer of frustration. It is the prayer of confusion. It is the prayer of wondering and asking why. It's the prayer that says, God, your word says certain things. You've promised certain things. I'm not seeing those things. It's the prayer that says, where are you in the midst of my circumstance? The Psalms are full of lamentations. Uh, the book of lamentations. The prophets are full of lamentations. Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you in the midst of my darkest hour. One example from Psalm 44. Uh, The psalmist is talking about terrible things that Israel is going through, and, and this comes out of their heart. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path, but you crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness, and, and theologians debate that, those last couple of lines of, you know, does God really do that, or did Satan do that, or, or whatever. But uh, certainly, at least for the ones writing this psalm, that's what it feels like to them. They're saying, God, like, where, where are you? Why are these things happening? We, we don't think that we've sinned here. We don't think we've done anything wrong, and yet all of this catastrophe is coming upon us. What is going on is the heartbeat of lament. If we don't have room for that in our prayer life, then I would just throw out there that we're not living authentically before the Lord. Because I don't know if anyone can honestly say, I've never had a doubt ever or i've never felt disappointed or i've never wondered why my prayers weren't answered and so unlike what i was taught growing up uh, in the pentecostal movement of just nope that's a lack of faith you just always got to be positive and you always it's always victory and it's always triumph and it is that that's important as well but there is a biblical place in our life for just being authentic and honest before the Lord. There is a biblical place to just express what's in your heart, because you know what? He knows it's in there anyway. You're not fooling him if you feel like this, but on your face you plaster a smile and say, hey, but victory all the time, hallelujah, it's always just great being a Christian. There's room for this, and we need to recapture that a little bit. I would just add in there, not getting to the point of dishonoring the Lord or disrespecting him, because he is still God, and we are still not. And not staying here. Uh, Some people are professional lamenters, and they never get out of it. It's just constant complaining, and they never get to the place. Having a doubt is not a problem. Most Christians struggle with that. Staying in doubt is something we don't want you to do. So you have your doubt, but then we want to wrestle through that back to the place of hope. We can express our frustration, but we don't want to live in that place of frustration. We want to move it back towards worship and thanksgiving. So it's not lament on its own. It's lament, hopefully, moving back towards thanksgiving and worship. But we can and should make room for that. That's just honest. It's just being honest with God. All right, we got to keep going quickly. Praying while active. We're moving into some extroverted stuff now. Uh, I talked to an extroverted friend, and they were taught in a tradition that says, uh, you literally need to go into a room by yourself, shut the door, pray quietly, preferably in your head, uh, not out loud, but that's the right way to pray. And they said, as an extrovert, that drives me nuts. My brain just doesn't work that way. My brain needs to be busy. My brain needs to be active. I can't sit in a chair for 30 minutes and then come out and say, what a great time I had with Jesus. I just It doesn't work for me. And there's nothing, you know, Jesus tells a story of, you know, yeah, when you pray, you should do that. And and he's talking about don't pray showy big prayers in public for everybody to see. It's not the only way Jesus prayed. He also prayed in public, and he also prayed with his disciples. And so uh, some locked on to that when Jesus said, go shut the door, as if that was the only way that Jesus prayed. And it wasn't. So sometimes for extroverts, what's easier is uh, pray while you're doing something else. Pray while you're in the garden or on a bike ride or out for a walk or in your car or or doing the dishes. Like, pray while something else is happening because extroverts just generally do have a need to kind of multitask and they really like variety and being busy. So, great go make that your place of prayer unapologetically make that your place where you can connect with god don't feel like you need to do the prayer closet model praying with others is also important introverts will do very well with solitude and and quietness uh extroverts some one extrovert told me once like i like my brain it's literally the thoughts aren't clear until i'm speaking them out and getting feedback and and kind of processing in that way. And that might not be the case for everybody, but there is a need to talk things out. And these poor extroverts who have a hardwired need to talk things out, we say, but when you talk to Jesus, do it silently by yourself in a room. And so praying with others is perfect because it's a way to talk it out and to get prayer from others and hear them talk it out And you can process your prayers together It's also an opportunity to pray for one another and then to bring the needs together Scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble and there's something in the humility of saying I need prayer that God responds to because if I say I'm never gonna ask anybody for prayer That might just be pride at work and God opposes the proud That's why we say, come to the altar at the end of the service. There are people here to pray for you. If you will be humble enough to step out and say, I need prayer for something, God gives his grace to the humble. You don't need to tell your life story, but there is something in that humility that we just see God answer prayers at this altar. So praying with others is important. There's also accountability there. Uh, sometimes we say, I can't exercise unless I have a gym buddy. But if, you know, 5.30 in the morning rolls around and I don't feel like going to the gym that day, if I know Jeff is there waiting for me and we're keeping each other accountable, then I'll probably go more likely than if it was just me by myself. Some of us need that in prayer as well, that we have that accountability of someone's going to meet us there. Conversational prayer. Sometimes we talk about this in the sense of uh, just talking normally to God, and that is good and true, but that's not what I'm meaning. Sometimes prayer doesn't actually look that much like prayer, where we close our eyes and bow our heads, and we change our voice, and we get really solemn. Because I've been at coffee with people, and I've been saying, you know, oh, I just—here's what's going on with my kids. You're just catching up. And you know what? I I just want to see God do this in my kid's life. And they say, oh, yeah, that'll be great. Here's what's happening in my business. And this is what we're really looking for God to do in our business this year. And it took me years to realize that that is prayer happening in that moment. Our requests are being presented to God. It's not in a, you know, a form that we're kind of used to, but through the conversation, we are saying, God, this is what we are looking to do. And we can agree with each other, and we can encourage one another. I've been in a bazillion prayer meetings in my life, and I've walked out of many of them just going, I didn't feel a thing in there. But then I've walked out of coffee with George Bergen, and it's like, ha, I'm on fire, I'm going to take on the world. My spirit is renewed. And we never formally stopped and prayed, but through the conversation, our souls were uniting to God. We were presenting requests. We were talking about the things of God. We were getting stirred up. We were spurring one another on. We were encouraging one another. You can do this at Tim Hortons without it being weird. You can do this at work without it being weird. You can do this in lots of different ways. And, and again, it's it's maybe a bit of a shift of thinking of what we think prayer needs to look like, but that's the point of this whole message. that Prayer can look lots of different ways. Almost done. Give me a few more minutes. Prayer books. I talked about this back in January. I had to do this for a school assignment where we found a traditional prayer book that another stream of the church used. So I chose the Book of Common Prayer from the Anglican Church. They've used it for hundreds of years. And there are prayers written out. There's morning prayers and afternoon prayers and evening prayers written out already, so all you have to do is turn to the day and read through the prayer that is there. Uh, In my case, I had it as an app on my phone, and it would bing at me, saying, bing, morning prayers are ready, don't forget to pray your prayers today. And so it went up on my phone, and uh, you would read through the prayers, and, and it's amazing. Again, when you don't have the words, or if you're just learning how to pray, or if you're not sure what to say, someone else has put these things into words already. And so in the prayer of repentance, uh, which the Book of Common Prayer has daily, uh, there's these words, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. Oh, there was something in that phrasing that I just went, Wow, that's beautiful. That says it better than anything I could have said on my own. And so someone, after I talked about this in January, said, Oh, I went and I found a, a Catholic prayer app for my phone. Uh, These prayers are beautiful. They're 800 years old uh, and they're powerful and so there's a lot of different ways We can do that when we're not sure what to pray things like this are great tools It's like training wheels on a bike. They can help us learn this stuff prayer journaling I also mentioned back in January writing out your prayer father Please do this for my kids. Please do this for my job. My wife found this really helpful She's an introvert so silence and solitude is not that hard for her, but she also just found that her mind would wander. That was her challenge, was just to be quiet and alone. Her mind would start, she'd start daydreaming about what she had to do that day, or whatever. And writing just had a way of focusing the thoughts, and also you end up having this amazing record of things you've asked God to do where you can go back and say, wow, he answered this prayer. He answered that prayer. He answered this. He answered that. And it's really powerful and beautiful. Last one, praying scripture. Uh, Scripture's full of prayers. We believe all Scripture is God-breathed. We believe it comes to us from God, uh, that He breathed through people, and it is written, and we believe that it is trustworthy, and it is perfect. So when there are prayers in Scripture that are directed towards God, we know that those are always good prayers. The book of Psalms in the Bible was the prayer book of Israel, and still is. That is how they pray. They read the Psalms back to God. uh, Breathe down from him, and they just return it. When it comes from him like that, you know he always likes them. It's always good to pray those prayers. There's one here from Ephesians 1.17. If you Google prayers in Scripture, you'll find a bunch. There's books that are written about it. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. We chose that as our prayer over Kaylee when she was born. Who wouldn't want that prayed over them? Right? Pray that over your spouse. Pray that over your kids. Pray that over the people in your life who don't know Jesus yet. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, come upon them so that they may know you. And because God breathed that prayer, you know that's the kind of prayer God likes. It came from Him. So we pray the Scripture back to Him. It is a powerful thing. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And so, uh, again, when we don't have the words, Scripture has the words for us. I think we're going to skip the last song just because we've gone late today. Um, Marissa, do you just want to join me up here as we get ready to wrap up? All right. If you have any questions about the message today, uh, we are uh, always happy to take time to grab a coffee or whatever questions at meadowbrook.ca. And so we uh, would love to take the time to continue to chat with you about this. As I was looking this week and we're trying to think about spiritually, how do we get in shape? How's your prayer life? Uh, all of these kinds of things. I was wondering, uh, just because we talked last week about how Paul ties in some correlations between physical training and spiritual training. So what makes a good physical workout? If we were wanting to get in physical shape, what would be important? So I just Googled that, and there was a whole bunch of different ideas, lots of different trainers and experts, and, and different opinions in different ways, but there were two words that came up over and over and over and over again. If you want a good physical workout... Uh, if you want to build a good physical routine in your life, the two words that came up were consistency and variety. And consistency just means you actually have to do it. You can't just daydream about getting in shape. You actually have to do it, and you have to do it regularly. You can't just do it once in a while. You have to keep at it. And then variety, it's just good with the body to try lots of different things. If I did, you know, 500 sit-ups a day over and over and over and over again, and that's all I did, eventually I'm going to get abs of steel. I mean, I already do obviously, but eventually we will get there. I'm not doing anything for my heart rate. I'm not doing anything aerobic. There's nothing for my arms or my legs. So it's not gonna be good for my body. It's gonna be good for my abs, maybe, but it won't be good for my body. So if we wanted to get in physical shape, we want to be consistent, we want to do it regularly, but we also want to do different things. And that also is just good where it doesn't get boring. It doesn't get repetitive. And so I am throwing out there that this is part of the key in our prayer life, is that we need to be consistent. Sometimes people say, I just don't make the effort, or I just don't make the time. And that's the part where I say, well, I can't help you there really at all. You just have to be willing to to make the effort to be consistent and to work at it. And if you miss one day, that's fine. If we're missing day after day after day after day after day, it's going to be hard. And just like physical habits can be hard to get into the routine of, spiritual habits can be hard to get into the routine of as well. But if we push through and we keep at it, eventually these things just become natural to us. So we need to be consistent. And we want to engage with a variety of stuff as well. If all I do Is worship and nothing else, then I'll be really strong in that area. But where's the lamentation in my life? Where is the just being honest before God? If I'm really good at the lamentation to the point where I'm just kind of a complainer, where am I ever grateful and acknowledging God with thanksgiving for what He's done? So we talked today about the Lord's Prayer, about thanksgiving and worship, about meditation. In silence, the lament, praying while active, praying with others, conversational prayer, prayer books, prayer journaling, praying the scripture. Some of those things are going to hit you as, oh, I would really like to try that. That sounds like me. But don't just stop there. There are things here that are good for us. There are things there that don't feel like us necessarily at all. But maybe that's what we need to jump into this time because we just need to grow a little bit in something beyond what we're naturally drawn to. And so as we're working out, are you an introvert or extrovert? We say, if you're an introvert, lean into being an introvert. But also, how can you stretch your extroverted side? Uh, So we're going to leave the next steps with you as we look at how are we uh, looking at our prayer life, how is your prayer life, as we answer that question. How are we doing at being consistent? How are we doing at at engaging with a variety of things? Maybe consistency is what you need to work on right now. Maybe it's trying new things. Maybe it's finding something that works for you. Maybe it's stretching beyond what normally uh, you would engage in. And we'll leave that with you to wrestle through. But we are wanting to say, what are the next steps in our prayer life? I'm going to invite Pastor Mesh to come forward to wrap us up today. Uh, We're not going to do our song. We went a little long today, and that's okay. Uh, But I'll ask you to stand with me, please, as we get ready to close in prayer.
1: Quickly, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a leadership retreat, and one of the exercises we did was we sent everybody off on a solo time, 30 minutes quiet with Jesus. And what was cool, we came back together and talked about what had happened and what took place and it was neat to hear how people tried this for the first time ever and they really enjoyed the experience so the message for today is to try something different and the bottom line is you're connecting with jesus so that's what you want you to do before you leave we offer prayer after service this morning if you need prayer there's people trained up front that will pray with you that will walk with you if you're going through anything if you want to come for prayer fantastic if you want to visit you can do that at the foyer that we can create uh, just an atmosphere of, of ministry together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thanks for this morning. Thank you that you're with us. And we pray, Jesus, that today you'd show us how to engage with you, whatever that looks like. Thank you that we can follow you in the ways that we're wired and help us to keep you central in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you leave, real quick, if you have not met somebody here, go say hi to them the first time. Go for it. Have a great Sunday.